episode 20, Bjorn Kafka. Welcome to the Oxidative Potential Podcast, where we discuss all things sports science and performance. I'm your host, Matthew DeRoche, and with me is my fellow co-host, Phil Patterson. Enjoy. Good day, folks. In today's episode, I speak with Bjorn Kafka from Aerotune and also world-class cycling and endurance coach. Uh, this is an episode where, uh, you know, we, we really dig into some of the physiological metrics and, you know, how does Bjorn approach uh, trying to shift these or approach managing these metrics throughout the year? And we talk also a lot about, you know, physiological metrics um, that are captured through power duration modeling. Um, and, you know, what are the benefits? What are kind of the pros and cons of that? Also, what are the implications uh, in, in using that in terms of uh, whether it's for teams, athletes, whatever? This is a great conversation. Um, this is a guy I wish, I, you know, I wish I just had six hours to just keep picking his brain and, and throwing questions at him because, uh, you know, I'm really, really interested to to hear his answers because a lot of them are not exactly what I would expect. But then when I sit down and think about his answer, I, I realize like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of sense to what he's saying. I can't believe I've never thought of those things. That makes complete sense. Um, why do we do it that way? Why why haven't we, uh, you know, approached it from this angle? Also, check out Bjorn's uh, power duration testing on the Aerotune site because it is, I think, the, you know, best one out there. And especially he's offering it for very cheap. Um, you know, some of the other... Uh, you know, power duration testing uh, systems out there are quite expensive. Um, and Zeratune's offering it for quite a low price. And, uh, you know, you can test as many times as you want in that month. Um, yeah, so I really think that's a great service they offer. I'll leave that stuff in the show notes. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation because um, there's so much gold in here. There's there's a ton of gold in here. Um so uh, just just listen carefully, and uh, I hope you guys really enjoy the podcast, and we'll catch you later. Computer. So Bjorn, um, we had a, a little chat previous to this, and I was super interested to um, hear your kind of philosophy and, and concepts around things, and what really matters, what kind of is maybe kind of hyper-focused on in the industry right now, maybe doesn't hold a lot of value for the athlete. Um, but one thing I, I did take note of is you're actually really, really interested in how do we shift these things in the proper direction that we're looking for, right? What are these metrics? Because everyone's mm -hmm. kind of exploding over the metrics, right? VO2 max, mm -hmm. VLA max, uh, uh, lactate curves and all these things. And um I've even heard it in discussions that I've had with, with other people. And it's like, yeah, but, um, Hey, we might, we might figure this out or we might've figured out something, but how do we train it? How do we actually utilize it in the training? What, what athlete mm -hmm. do we train it with this way? And what athlete do we train it with the, the opposite way? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. today we're going to kind of dig into the weeds and, and 
you know, why are these metrics useful? What are they useful for? Um, why might they be kind of taking over, um, you know, the space that, that we're seeing right now? So do you want to kind of give people a little bit of a background where you came to this from? Like you've already given a large background, but just kind of for people that haven't heard, um, mm -hmm. you can go listen to Bjorn's podcast on Michael Erickson's uh, That Triathlon Show and also the uh, Endurance Innovation Podcast where he yes. goes over everything VLA Max. But yeah. kind of talk about some of the things that you've gone through in your own cycling kind of trajectory when you started off because I think those things might be useful to see where people um so people can see where you came from right it's not yeah. that you just like showed up one day and hey <laughs> no 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 it's just a, quite a long history it's uh, starts at the beginning of the 90s to be honest but uh, I don't want to make a, a too big thing out of it because uh, then it's getting boring and <clears throat> now of course as as most of us uh I started endurance training. Um, I was like a teenager, yeah. And mm. I, was, uh, I had a friend who was into mountain biking, and um, yeah, it was uh, fascinating for me. Yeah? All the technique aspects, and then all the training, and then it was during the time when Jan Ulrich became world champion in the amateur. Mm. It was like 1992 or something like that, or 91 in, in Oslo. Sorry if I mix that up now. Um, anyway, it was the same year when Lance Armstrong won uh, the World Championships and yeah. um, in the elite category. So, and then I became more interesting in cycling. And it was also the time um, when East Germany yeah, opened up to West Germany. So we have one country. And so all the old, um, all the training ideas from East uh, Germany came to West Germany, which is quite interesting. It's still very interesting. And uh, so, yeah, I started actually cycling, huh? just first for fun. Mm. And then uh, it was uh, getting more and more competitive. And it was during the time when, yeah, Jan Ruhig won the Tour de France, Bianaris, and all these guys, and all these big doping scandals, of course. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I was into that. Was I was a okay cyclist yeah. mm. I was not really I, I wouldn't say if I compare the numbers today with the riders I train I would say oh man I was lousy yeah, <laughs> I was really yeah, like yeah. Oh, ooh, uh, please don't talk about my cycling history yeah um <laughs> anyway um was uh, I think it was like a shifting 2000 something like that and I was competing in a race and some of the guys I trained a lot with was ca caught with doping uh, mm. I mean like with everything <laughs> and that was the time I said okay <clears throat> I stopped it <clears throat> I was really pissed and uh, so I didn't want to know anything more about cycling huh? so yeah. I stopped that I studied um, um, Islamic studies and Scandinavian studies yeah, which is like complete opposite of cycling and uh, all these kind of things uh, but was also more like an interesting uh, I was interested in um, um, Islamic things because 9-11 uh, happened during that time mm. and first I studied philosophy and uh, history and then I shifted to um, Islamic studies and Scandinavian studies mm. and uh, then I became a journalist a freelance journalist for different kind of um, magazines and newspapers and then I got the offer for the uh, being a, a bike uh, editor at the bike magazine in Germany which is, I think it's still one of, it was Europe's biggest mountain bike magazine. Okay. And um, there's also the tour magazine 
it's in the same building, which is the biggest road bike magazine. So um, they they were gave me this very nice job, and I thought, okay, I still do a lot of cycling, know a lot. So and uh, started there, and uh, I was um, the editor for the the training stuff, and uh, also done doing stories about that, and uh, I becoming more and more interested in that and uh, so I was and I was also very good at doing like calculations all these kind of things so mm. and during that time a friend of mine started um, working with simulations in in, in uh, metabolic simulations mm. and uh, then we thought okay maybe we do something together uh, mm. and so that's actually it yeah so we started a company which was a lot of fun uh, became successful to be honest and but we didn't have any clue about um financing and all these kind of things yeah mm -hmm. and so it was like a big mess after all <laughs> it was fun and then uh, I, I we we, we started or oh, i started a new company with some some other guy has asked me okay we want to do a new company it was like very well structured so I thought, okay yeah because the old company we just close it uh, my friend go to get uh, go to the federation cycling federation and i said okay i do it just uh, with the new stuff which was quite fun but the heart was missing a little bit <laughs> and they were more focused on like um um yeah working with like i would say like recreational athletes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, losing some weight and all these kind of things which is absolutely fine but not yeah. for me yeah. i'm not that i'm not that guy huh? mm. So um, um, so I said, okay, um, I, 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 I'm leaving this uh, company, and uh, so um, and that's actually it. Yeah. So um, besides that, so I always was developing these calculations, uh, these simulations, hmm. uh, metabolic simulations. Started like almost like seven, eight years ago now. And uh, Sebastian Schlurke from Aerotune said, "Oh, great! You have all these nice." calculations but it's a total mess because it's all in excel <laughs> <laughs> like 20 sheets of excel everything is in there it's like crazy yeah. so i said okay you need to learn programming hmm. and i said yeah well <laughs> i'm not sure he said yeah you can do that okay and so i learned programming and so and then i start programming and with to be honest a huge help of sebastian schlurke yeah we started developing this metabolic testing on Aerotune. Yeah? Mm -hmm. we, we we, he already had this amazing aerodynamic calculation, which is used by a lot of World Tour teams. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make it at, as easy as possible to access this uh, tool, to make mm -hmm. it very affordable so that everyone can test. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is, and getting these numbers and know on which part of the system so to so i would call it to work on yeah mm. it, we call it just democratizing um, um testing yeah? Yeah. so you don't have to go to a lab paying 200 euros and getting maybe okay results or maybe not yeah yeah so yeah that's actually it yeah so um and and then of course i'm coaching a lot yeah. <laughs> so uh, some world champions and uh, olympics and all these kind of things yeah and well, helping keeps, some world tour teams with coaching yeah, it, it keeps the it. drive right like it, it keeps the drive to continuously 
improve because when the, the when the accountability is on you, you want to continuously um, push whatever it is that you're bringing forward or bringing to the table. Um, yeah, to, to newer heights. When when did you start seeing because you started off with physiological testing? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start seeing that this power duration modeling and calculating these kind of metabolic markers on the hard metrics? Mm-hmm. Um, was useful because I think everyone kind of comes through that epiphany sooner or later. Like people will read yeah. about, uh, you know, power duration modeling and some of these things, and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really click right away for a lot of people. But when did that click kind of happen in your head? Oh, it took actually quite a long time. Yeah, I think we are all branded with like um, there's kind of an FTP model, which is very easy to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like super simple. I even can explain that to my mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, actually, we, we always it's it's we are not car engines. Mm. Now, you don't put in gasoline and then it's running. So mm. we run on a lot of fuel, mm-hmm. and we want run on a lot of systems, so to say. Yeah. So if I'm getting up on my chair, I'm actually using some phosphates. Yeah. So and we we have to keep in mind that we have like these different kinds of systems that we are using but mm-hmm. how much do we use it and what does it mean if i have like a huge part of this and a small part of this mm-hmm. and if i want to um, compete in this kind of range which kind of ratio should i have to be good at a certain sport so this is the first thing um, that really made this concept very interesting for me so suddenly i can start modeling athletes for different kinds of purposes. And this, of course, takes a lot of time mm-hmm. yeah, and patience. <laughs> yeah. So I said, you I have one rider, especially in mind. Um, he's very good, mountain bike world champion. <clears throat> it took us seven years. Mm. And he, he's, of course, good. And he was very good. He was good already. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And uh, if you want to become a world champion, you already have to be gifted. That's for sure. Yeah? There's no one getting up with like a 50 VO2 max. That's, <laughs> you will not be a world champion. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. And so, and then I said, okay, may we start getting your VO2 max up? So how do we do that? Hmm. So, and then you read and then you do, and then you have you add a lot of energy flux and it's like, um, everybody is different. So you need a lot of different kind of stimulus mm-hmm. and then you constantly measure and we, we measured it with lactate and also with spiroergometry. So, mm-hmm. and, but it becomes very, to be, said, to be honest, unhandy because the people can't come to the lab constantly. Mm-hmm. And if they are using a handheld device, lactate, first of all, it costs money. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's a huge, they can make huge mistakes and <laughs> interpreting lactate values is, yeah. especially bad ones. Are, ah, yeah. yeah, a handheld device, is some, sometimes a good if the, the person who uses it knows what it's doing. Yeah? Yeah. But um, so I, I developed this system out of power uh, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's a chicken, a chicken and egg question. Uh? Yeah. If we got lactate and VO2 max and all these kind of things, mm-hmm. we said, okay, if you have this kind of lactate buildup and this kind of VO2 max, mm-hmm. you have this kind of um, power output uh during that for example for 60 minutes yeah. so we do it the other way mm-hmm. 
I have a power output and I say, okay, this means that we, in theory, we have like uh, the, this kind of lactate buildup, this kind of VO2 max. But we always have to be honest, it's a model. <laughs> yeah. It works very well yeah. for me, uh, or, but it's still a model. Yeah. Uh, so we just reverse engineer the metabolic things that are happening in our body. So that's actually it. Yeah? And if I look at the power curve, yeah, um, the, the classic power curve, you know, if, if you, you have some kind, you have your critical power and then you have maybe a W prime. So what always interests me, okay, well, how is this W prime kind of mixed up? Mm -hmm. So how big is the phosphates? Phosphates. And what is it about the pH buffering? So how, how much glycolytic flux in there? It's still like, we, well, no one can say that, but it, the VLMX gives me a little idea. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this part is VLMX and the buffering is very, it's very tricky. And then we have like um, the, the phosphates. Okay. We know we can guess that. Yeah. If we, we have a sprint test, so I, I try to calculate how much fibers we have that we're using phosphates, uh, especially creatine phosphates. So that you get an idea. Okay. Maybe this guy is very gifted in sprinting because he has a very huge uh, phosphate, uh, phosphates, but maybe he also have a very little VLMX, yeah? because sometimes some yes. people who can sprint yes. are not necessarily, uh, don't have necessarily have a huge VLMX. Mm -hmm. You see that, and that's very strange sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. And um, you see some sprinters yeah, that are um, very gifted with like short sprints and also can climb well and they have huge time trials, great time trials. Yeah. Mm. I have one rider in mind and I think everyone knows uh, him. He was former mountain biker and, uh, um, um, won like three world championships on, on the road. And, um, yeah, he's, he's that kind of rider. I think he, he never had a real high wheeler max. He was, he was gifted. Yeah. So, and this is actually it. Yeah. So I know which kind of different parts we have and how should I work on that? And this is uh, the most important thing for me. And then uh, the big question is, how do we stress these kind of systems to get the result we want? And this is always a big black box. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, I hope that answers the question somehow. <laughs> no, it does. Because I mean, I, I was starting to find the value in and hard hard metric testing um yeah. for the last little bit here and and what really solidified it we were having a discussion on, on on a forum and um someone brought forth some of their research where it, we, we so we, we there was a decoupling from power yes. and vla max right because yes. they were testing it along with uh um uh, near signal right so they're trying yes. to figure out how near is correlated to vla max yeah. and in this in this uh this homogenous group as the power went up you know the vla vla max went down and then i started yes. reading some of um modders uh, or sorry i think it was olbrecht's work some of mm -hmm. his older work again and i found he came across some of the same things with rowers so mm -hmm. when he tested the homogenous group of, of rowers within the same kind of category um the same thing was brought up there that the VLA max uh, decreased as the power um, profiles were increasing in this group. And then I said, what, so what are we even measuring here? Like I, I had this kind of epiphany I mean like, okay, so we're actually getting what we, 
what we're looking for better right here in the power than what we're looking for in this metric that we were associating with power. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of clicked to me, like, you know, everything, you know, that is, is useful can't always be measured. So mm-hmm. when we're trying to measure these metrics as proxies, we have to be careful. So, yeah. And then it, we, we see that in similar things where we're measuring VO2 max going up, but there's no performance increase right mm-hmm. on the other side of the table right when we're measuring it on the cart sometimes we see drastic and we were just talking about this with uh, bfr the other day right because mm-hmm. blood flow restrictions is kind of big and in some of those studies we're seeing increases in vo2 max but no performance uh, coupling mm-hmm. with that so yes. then that it, it just every couple of weeks i just start seeing more and more and be like oh wow this is really honing in to maybe be the new thing um yes yeah so uh- so go ahead. I, w- I want to hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, if you see studies yeah. um, and they do some, after that studies, they do some performance testing. I'm always like, yeah, okay, we, well, we're only getting one point of that. Yeah, Maybe we have like, they do a VO2max test performed after that. And then they try to interpret the threshold out of that, which is quite complicated. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe they do like TAD measuring out of that. Then we have better numbers. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, um, it's always like, ah, how were the before and maybe if you get the like uh, the Vila Max, we have like uh, I can compare it better, mm-hmm. but it's it's always like it, we don't know if it's a, if it's it's a, if it's the truth. Yeah, for me it's a handy mm-hmm. tool, but it's it's sports science. Yeah? yeah, so we have to be honest. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not it's 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 not physics. Yeah, where we really making things very small, developing models out of that and maybe testing it. This is this will not happen. As this will not happen. It's 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 too complicated. So we're always guessing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but the more data I got, I get, and I have huge amounts of data. And the more data I prove, I see okay. There's there's something, mm-hmm. and maybe this kind of stimulus, with this kind of fiber distribution we have in the muscle, you can guess maybe calculate. We calculate that out of the testing. This kind of um, 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 uh, training will have this kind of stimulus, and mm-hmm. it seems to work, and for a lot of our riders. Yeah. So let's let's get into tr- to training some of these things because mm-hmm. realistically, whether the athlete knows what the VLA max is or the VO two max is, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But how <clears throat> how they shift it to align with a, a more optimal you know, physiology towards their demand of the event that they're engaging in is kind of the real question. I think there's a lot of stuff being put forth of, you know, around torque, you know, within Mm -hmm. within cycling, you know, different torques are going to maybe change the VLA max or play a component of that. Also, you know, fasted rides or depleted rides, sorry, I should say depleted rides, um, you know, how do you, let's just talk about training the VLA max first. Um, mm-hmm. When we got someone on the high end of the coin and someone mm-hmm. on the low end of the coin, obviously it's going to take forever to shift these things um, to, 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 to the opposite, Sometimes. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's even not possible. You, yeah. you, you're stuck. Yeah? If you yeah, have like yeah. someone with a high, very high Vila max, you're, you're happy gonna... if you're getting down to 0.4 after four years or something like that. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so let's yeah. go on this tangent here. Yes. Um, so when I start working with some athletes, 
Uh, first of all, I look how old they are. Yeah? <laughs> if it's like a young guy, I know, okay, he's like very flexible, metabolic flexible. Yeah? Mm -hmm. It's a very modern thing to say, I think. <laughs> and um, you can form these bodies. That simple it is. Yeah. And um, um, so, but I, I always try to get the VO2 max high, of course, yeah, with a certain amount of load, mm -hmm. uh, a, a certain amount of energy flux, which usually should contain a lot of long, easy, boring miles. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, we can do the, the uh, another way around, which we see in modern cycling, especially in development teams, that you go hard, hard, hard. Mm -hmm. You have like a huge impact on the VO2 max. And then you have uh, very young riders that are very successful and everyone tries to aim to getting the new superstar. Mm -hmm. But there are only a few of these guys and they are already gifted. And 90% uh, of the young development riders, I think, uh, will not, um, uh, yeah, you will not see them uh, in five years. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't hold that kind of intensity training for a long time. So um, I do, first of all, miles because I want a certain VO2 max. Uh, and then, I, then they have, I don't know which event, maybe it's a track cyclist. So then you know, okay, the VLA max should be a little bit higher for the pursuit of which position does this rider have, first, second, or third, or fourth. So, and then you start developing year after year. And I, I, I talked to a very good track coach a few days ago, and he, he brought it actually to the point. He said, we're always thinking about Olympic cycles, and this is, this is quite nice for an Olympic athlete. Yeah? So mm -hmm. we have four years' time, and we always, I think we should think about these longer times when we work with athletes. We need time to develop these things, and we need time to get the VO2 mix up. Mm -hmm. So, and then uh, when, when you're in a season, then I said, okay, we start and I want to raise your VO2 max and maybe your Vila max is also getting up a little bit. So maybe it's not the, it's not the best preparation for the racing, but in the long term, it's good because nice. in two years you will win. Yeah? And then of course you always have the short term, yeah, which everyone wants to aim for. And uh, then you say, okay, we hammering down your Vila max. Yeah, with like talk work and threshold and not eating. And this works. Of course it works for eight weeks. <laughs> Then you maybe have a good race. Then you try it again. And then ah, it's not going to work. And then you try it again. Mm. And then you stop eating because there's this thing with keto and mm. nah, you're using more fats and all these kind of cool things. Mm. And then it's not working again and again and again. So you're getting down this rabbit hole and lowering your Vila Max. And if you do that for a certain amount of time, for years, mm. I think it's irreversible to get it up. Yeah, uh, for for especially for older athletes, and so the you're also limiting your VO2 max a lot because you can't stimulate stimulate that so much. You can't put out the the the, the numbers, the power. So always uh, first getting the the engine big. Yeah? Your horsepower is the VO2 max, and the Vila max is more or less the the efficiency of the uh, of your engine. And then you just fine tune that. Mm. And I fine tune only for six, seven, eight weeks. Mm. That's it. That's uh, so this is something that really kind of brings something up to mind is 
generally adaptations that come quick leave quick i've always seen that i've never yes. seen an adaptation that comes quick leave quick and when you were talking about training the vo2 max you know for example i'm working with with a couple of athletes right now where we're, because there's you know an event where they're kind of coming from a place whether it was off injury or coming off mm -hmm. of you know, not training for a bit we're approaching training the vo2 max in this kind of high intensity manner right but we know mm -hmm. that that's going to go away quick. But if we don't attack it early, the response to training after that generally isn't as good. When you raise the overall fitness level of the athlete, you raise the overall capacity, aerobic capacity, that athlete tends to respond to other training after much better, right? Mm -hmm. More blood circulating in the body, you know, yes. uh, all, all these different things with the cardiac system. Um, mm -hmm. But that is something that I've noticed is where people are trying to squeeze those high intensity um, blocks out of athletes, you know, month after month after month. Um, and I think one thing that is not really thought about a lot is when we're talking about cycling versus running, why do, why do cyclists have generally on average, much higher VO2 maxes than runners, right? When you, when you think about it, like, these guys are mm -hmm. spending hours and hours of this low intensity threshold on the bike runners. It's mm -hmm. a lot more pyramidal for the most part. Mm -hmm. You see a mm -hmm. lot more pyramidal yes. training, more yes. tempo work, but this low yes. level consistency of 20 plus hours at this low intensity mm -hmm. is I think really one of the keys of why they obviously can handle that is why we're seeing such high VO two maxes. So that's interesting yeah. that you say that, like, you know, this, these young juniors are kind of getting washed out through this, you know, hardcore, you know, push to, to become that one guy that's got yes. the genetics to do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's talk about. How, okay. So when we're structuring this VO2 max training, mm -hmm. what is, what is the time frame before you start? Cause you said you like to tweak, you know, six to eight weeks. If we've got an athlete on the other end of the spectrum, let's just say a sprinter, right? Like this guy's got a power phenotype. He's pushing hard watts. Mm -hmm. And how long, I know it's dependent on a person, but how long does it take for you to start trying to take the VLA max into consideration, right? So we're starting off by raising his VO2 max, his ability to just do work and capacity. Mm -hmm. How long is it before you start saying, okay, now we have to introduce the VLA max? Is it six months after some fitness is built? Is it a year? Um, do you, is it a short period of time? I don't think it's a short period of time because we're trying to change the VLA max, but how do you look at that? When does that come into the consideration? Um, 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 always when I'm working with athletes, um, after, you know, if someone reaches something for, for example, I don't know, 60, uh, 70, five or 72 vo2 max mm -hmm. and then we have like five and a half watts yeah um then i say okay now we can work really seriously and oh, for recreation athlete maybe it's five watts on, on threshold yeah mm. and then i say okay we we have maxed out everything mm -hmm. and uh, then we really look at how we can manipulate the the vila max yeah and um, of course, it sounds a bit strange because it's already very high level. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, with women and also working with the World Tour women, um, you have lower numbers, of course. But um, I, I'm always aiming first for the the the, the higher um, um, uh, VO2 max. But when it comes to 
uh, a race, an important race, mm-hmm. the Vida Max actually becomes a bigger focus for me. Yeah? Okay. Uh, especially when I know, okay, I have or I have done everything for the VO2 Max. And then I'm, I, I should be happy yeah? before the season starts or maybe maybe the season is running a little bit. Then I say, okay, now we have the VO2 Max. Now we work on the, on the Vila Max. And then there, there's an, also another thing we also should take into consideration is uh, specificity. Yeah? So if someone is, if you go up a mountain, uh, I don't know, 400 watts mm-hmm. and there are attacks, maybe you should simulate that a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, um, um, imitate these kind of riding. Or for, if you do an Ironman, yeah, maybe you should ride into this kind of power, uh, and maybe then put a run after that. Or if you do a marathon, yeah, maybe you should try to run intervals in that speed, and then making this interval first, maybe after half an hour, and maybe the, after like ninety minutes you start with this interval. So to make to work close to the um, competition you're doing. Yeah. So this is another thing. This is I don't know how we should call it. Yeah. It has an influence on the VO2max. It also has a, an influence on the VLAMAX, but it it has an influence on the mind. Yeah. It has an influence on the, the buffering system, of course. But most of the time, what I see is an athlete gains a lot of confidence out of these trainings. Yeah. Um, if they do this kind of training, you don't don't do it to really really short time, huh? mm. and they they trained hard, and then they come to a race and they do the race and it's like, oh actually the training was a little harder, and then they start winning. Huh? So this is another thing. So first working on the system, which means big engine, making the engine efficient, efficient, mm-hmm. and then you put on what do we want from that engine? What mm-hmm. kind of power? Do you want? So yesterday, for example, we had the Austrian time trial champs, mm-hmm. which sounds a bit Austrian. Yeah? No, actually, they are very good riders. Matthias Brandl, for example, who was like a, a one-hour world record holder. Yeah, and um, Felix Großschadner, who is now was seventh at the Tour de Suisse uh, with Ineos and all these guys. Yeah, and the guy that finished second was Rainer Keplinger. Who's Rainer Keplinger? Oh, he is actually riding for a continental team. He's an ex-rower, and I train him for like. Wow, one and a half years now, I think. And uh, so we did VO2max, VLAMAX. He won some very big races now. And then I said, okay, now we have the course. Now we, we have a low, only we had like 10 days. And I designed a program that fitted the profile from the course, but only like, like little bits. Mm. And he finished second. I mean, like, this is amazing. Yeah. Mm. For a guy that didn't earn or maybe little money little money to compare to all the world tour guys yeah so um this is actually my approach especially if someone is um yeah that's very good huh? already very good yeah <clears throat> so um i like the the what i think it was a quote from michael phelps i think what's his name bauman i think yeah mm. um so the, the talking about capacity and utilization i think this is a very interesting thought yeah so i'm just capacity is vo to max Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit Vila Max, and then you have the specific stuff, and this is actually utilization. Yeah, yeah. this is That's... how I work. But this takes time. I have some young riders that only do like, so to say, capacity works. Even if they do racing, I'll just say no, no, no. You should not win. 
we just train. We train for two years. Yeah. I don't care about the result. We just train. Yeah. And then after two years, they win, start winning. Yeah. What, what is, so when you're talking about, do, do you think, yeah, like, because when you, when you, you said something there about, you know, shaping the course or shaping the training to the course, which I think mm -hmm. is super valuable, but it takes a lot of physical maturity for that to make an impact, right? Like if someone is still, if that, if those thresholds are still leaky, they're not very stable, mm -hmm. you know, they're different mm -hmm. places every time their ability to pace is still, you know, out of whack, the effectiveness of, of some of these things kind of decrease quite a bit, right? Yes. The, the effect of, the effectiveness of these things. What, when, so are you looking for that kind of plateau in the, in the VO2 max before you start getting, um, you know, athletes really honed in on training the VO2 max? Like, for example, if you have a new athlete come to you, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you're not going to look at the VLA max at all. And you're probably going to. Oh, no, no, no. This is the first thing I do. No, no, no. But no I mean, no, like, I, uh, sorry. I mean, like, sorry. You're, you're going to have a profile on the athlete. Like, you're yes, going to know the yes. VLA max, yes, yes. VO2 max yes. when you start. But you're not going to really, for the first couple of years, you're not going to really worry about the VLA max at all. Um, uh, depends. Really? If it's okay. like 0 0.2 and he wants yeah. to compete in criteriums uh or, or i don't know a short distance triathlon yeah, um, yeah sprint distance i would say oh no no we have a problem okay <laughs> it's too low. so you'll we start need to get up. you'll start training that vla max early on that much earlier on like you'll be like hey we got to start attacking this now because this is a process mm. for a couple of years yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no no if it's too low yeah i need to reverse it yeah because i want adaptation on the vo2 max if the mm. vla max is too low we don't get the adaptation on the VO2 max that I want. Uh, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. For example, a perfect example, mm -hmm. 50 year old male comes to the lab doing a VLA max VO2 max test, mm -hmm. hardly eating keto diet, loves it. It's the mm -hmm. best. He's in the best shape and uh, looks like super ripped. Mm -hmm. Villa Max 0.17. That was very low. VO2 Max like 51. Cadence 60. That's this is wow. or maybe maybe 70. Wow. You have to complete reverse his training yeah. to get because he's he 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 and the it's typical for these assets, they say, okay. I want to do the Ironman. I'm always like lacking a little bit of speed. I'm always trying. I train. They're hammering 20 hours a week, and uh, uh, but every nothing is working. So you mm. say, okay, first of all, we start eating <laughs> carbs. Then we maybe do some lifting, uh, a hypertrophy lifting, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> like bodybuilding stuff, uh, with a lot of rest, eating, and then the, the hardest part for them is say, okay, you do your training with. 95 cadence. And then you get a call from them. Bjorn, my heart rate is super high. Just said, yes, that's good. Yeah, that's oh, but I'm only riding zone two. Yes, that's good. And then they say, then they do a test again. The VO2 max is getting up. The Vila max also, which means the threshold is going down. Mm -hmm. And they are like, oh no, my FTP is. It, it's it's decreasing. This is not this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. Of course, it looks it looks not good, but in the long term, 
when we lower your VLAN max again, then we have a higher VLAN max. Yeah? And even little gains sometimes have a huge impact. For example, if you have like, Ill, uh, I, have, I have one athlete in mind uh, from England, he has like, Ill, uh, uh, I don't know, he's like from 71 to 73 VO2 max and his VLA max was 0.65 and we get him down to 0.55, mm -hmm. yeah? And he said, oh, the numbers don't look that impressive, but my results are amazing. I said, yes, because you have like a little bigger engine mm -hmm. And you can you 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 recover faster in a race because of your lower VLA max, and that makes a difference because this is why you catch the group and don't burn out in the group, and this is why you can sprint. Mm. All these little changes yeah. sometimes have huge impacts. Yeah, and um, yeah, you always you, you always look at both numbers. Yeah, mm. uh, but first of all, of course, I always look at the VO two max, and if I see if the VO two max is not where it is, I say, okay, how's the VLA max? Is it is it high? I know. Okay, good. We can go long. We can go. We can do lot cool intervals. Mm -hmm. Everything is fine. We can work on the system for half a year. Great, with mixture of training, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. And uh, if it's too low, the VLMX, I said, ah, oh, shit. This is not good because mm -hmm. then be, because it's also like a, a mental problem for the athletes because mm -hmm. suddenly you 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 have a huge impact on their social life eating mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah eating is a big problem sometimes huh? if you say them uh, take 200 grams of haribo on your four-hour ride they they are just like abion i don't pay you so much money for that um, actually this is not <laughs> happening yeah but i can guess that someone is saying that yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, sometimes i get when i'm riding a professional rider okay I'm so tired. Yeah, go to the petrol station, eat 100 grams of Haribo, and you feel amazing. Sure. Yes, sure. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> it's easy. It's the same stuff like in a, uh, in a sports drink. There's also sugar. Yeah. yeah. Only if you do like super high intensity in a race, we should care about what's in your bottle. Uh, having the right mixture of maltodextrin, fructose, or whatever, yeah? some electrolytes, that's it. So yeah. let, let's take kind of the two different athletes, two different, mm -hmm. you know, we got an athlete that's, you know, on the kind of junior stage going, mm -hmm. going pro. And then we have an athlete that's, you know, been around for, for a while. And mm -hmm. I ob like, obviously there's going to be differences depending on their profile. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? If the, if the athlete suits the pr profile of the race that they're going to do, they're probably going to be doing less testing because they're going to be, needing to tweak less things to some degree. Whereas if, you know, you're trying to change someone um, that's on the other side of the coin to fit, fit, fit the event or fit the demand, there's going to be more testing probably. How, what, what would be the, you know, for physiological and, and um, you know, hard metric testing, how, how often are you, you, you testing the athletes? Like, mm -hmm. because, you know, is is there have you seen a point where you know every week is feasible to see or no, two weeks please. or uh, a month you know what is mm -hmm. what is your your take on um and how often you um, usually i do um in winter for example i don't do in, in winter when we start training 
or like winter it's, it's actually it's autumn when we start training after like a two weeks rest mm -hmm. i do like three weeks of training without testing i don't test the riders before because mm -hmm. a high trained athlete loses so much vo2 max and power so to say in this short time of rest it doesn't make it you will it everything will change yeah mm -hmm. they they gain like i don't know five six eight percent in, in th three weeks it's amazing uh, these borders yeah bodies are amazing after that i do a test yeah mm -hmm. before i just say okay you start training go a little less look at your heart rate and go by your feeling these high level athletes they know they can train by feeling it's very very easy just look at your heart rate it should feel okay easy we do some bio to max work easy stuff yeah 40 20 30 30s 15 50s or whatever yeah? okay. and see how you feel and then after three weeks we test and then I know, okay vo2 max is there vila max is there and looking at the profile how was uh, the the test written and then maybe we go to a training camp and then we we work we work six six eight weeks uh, or actually six weeks like base work yeah? mm -hmm. with all kind of different things yeah it's not like um, only going long. It says you do some sprints, you do this, you do that, everything. Yeah, but most of the time um, you focus on base work, and then you test again. Then we do something like two, three weeks of VO2 max work, very hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's then we maybe have like January, February, very hard, intense VO2 max work. Rest again, and then after four. This is maybe then four weeks after the last test, and we test again, see what happened. Mm -hmm. And then we say, okay, maybe we should do some more uh, work on 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 base, the uh, zone two, zone one. Mm -hmm. And then the first races are starting, and then you do some specific stuff, maybe, yeah, and maybe okay, we should work a little bit on the Vila Max, doing some talk work, uh, whatever, yeah, and maybe. Letting the energy running a little bit low, yeah, deplete. No, not really depleting. If someone is training twenty hours a week or twenty-five hours, so much stress, uh, eating all these uh, carbs in is, is already a challenge. Yeah. Um, so that's actually it. Yeah. So you, it depends on. Yeah. If I do a hard VO two max block, I test yeah. quite close to that. If I do base work, I just take eight weeks. And Vila Max work, I would say like six, eight weeks. And then this is how I test. And then we have the season, which is always complicated with testing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I just implement some kind of tests into the training regime uh, when I do some specific work on for racing. For example, yesterday I had an athlete and now we have the German championships this weekend. I said, okay, we do this kind of interval. And he didn't realize that it was a test. Uh, yeah. I said, okay, you do like a sprint. It was like, a, it's like a tag. Then you do a four minute interval. I just want to check his VO2 max. <laughs> and he didn't realize. And then I said, oh, actually, your VO2 max is really cool. And he said, why? He didn't test. Of course we test. I just checked that. <laughs> so uh, this is how I get through this season. Yeah, And then maybe in um, August or July, depending on if they do corn tours or not, uh, we have maybe a little little rest and then we have a huge training block in altitude maybe and then we do also some tests and then uh yeah that's that's it yeah maybe i do like four or five tests a year yeah okay. so 
one thing, what do you, because out there, a lot of people haven't really, um, like, you know, I was talking with Phil Skiba a few mm -hmm. weeks ago about this is like, you know, a lot of coaches. Oh, I love that. I heard that. You did? Yeah, yeah. Yes. A lot of coaches On don't like the whole, oh, we're going to test because it's going to somehow interrupt our training. But like you just said there, um, I feel like that's kind of a cop out because why would a high intensity, you know, pacing, you know, this, whatever, whether it's a four minute effort, whether it's a six minute effort, how is that somehow going to deteriorate, you know, the athlete's ability to gain adaptation? I just, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Is, is that, is that some friction that you have sometimes with coaches trying to, you know, balance that like, Hey, we, we should at least get a little bit of data here. You know, is that, is that something that you still see is kind of, oh, I think they are afraid sometimes they are yeah. afraid of testing the athlete yeah. um, because of poor results. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If an athlete doesn't perform or has a poor result, mm -hmm. you have to explain why it is. And this mm -hmm. is something which is not nice, yeah. but it's very, it's very, very necessary yeah. because if you don't know, if you don't know what's happening, mm -hmm and uh, you, you still try to my way or the highway we just mm -hmm. go through that training it will not going to work now so mm -hmm. you can test or you can do some um getting some data uh, some good numbers out of the data uh, mm -hmm. and this is this is not so easy yeah and uh, of course if the on the power curve oh this this number is very good but if you uh, maybe you should also test the other one to get like some kind of relation out of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think um, um, coaches are sometimes afraid of testing mm -hmm. because first it it interrupts yeah, mm -hmm. the training a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. And on the other hand, it's also stress for the athlete. Yeah, there are a lot of athletes that don't like testing mm -hmm. because they ah oh, maybe if the test is not good, I will not race good, mm. which doesn't which does doesn't mean that yeah and uh, the other thing is if the test is not good as a coach you have to explain and if you do that for a company or something like that and then uh, the test is not good and then the athlete or so to say maybe customer is saying oh no i changed the coach it's not good mm. i will not work with you anymore then uh, of course you lose money yeah um but um if you want to work in an I would say and for the long-term test, always communicate about that. Oh, the numbers are not good. I don't know why. We try to figure that out. Uh, this is some part of my job. Yeah, I get data sets from other coaches, uh, very good coaches and say, Björn, can you look over the numbers? Because um, this essay is not performed as we expected. Then yeah. you go through, the, through all the things that can happen. Yeah? lack of nutrition, maybe allergies, uh, problems with attitude, problems with oxygen consumption, uh, maybe some block in the ethereal thing or whatever. Yeah? So we have to go through everything and see what's the problem. Yeah? Um, but you don't get that when you're not testing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, so. one thing, you're just kind of touching on uh, nutrition there. We kind of hit mm -hmm. on this a few times. What is your experience with, you know, training volume? Cause this is something I've noticed like, and uh, you know, there's a difference for people out there between depleted rides and, you know, mm -hmm. ketogenic diets and, mm -hmm. and training and also fasted rides. There's like a, there's a big difference between all these different things and they kind of affect people. 
depending on genetics, depending on training age, all these different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what is your experience with training volume? Because we're adding a new stressor, right, of restricting mm -hmm. the carbohydrate. What mm -hmm. is your experience with the volume? Do you have to tweak volume back with some of these athletes when you're trying to train the VLA max down? Um, yeah, but this, but this is stupid. Yeah. Um, if you if you can maintain in high volume, do the volume. Mm -hmm. Don't put. It's. Uh, I mean, like this works for someone who's time restricted. I'm mm -hmm. totally fine with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you have ten hours a week, mm -hmm. or maybe eight hours. Just go on a fast ride. I did this this morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what happened when you do a fast ride? Now, after I brought my boys to school, I just did one and a half hours, just had like a water bottle. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And I came home. So, can I start immediately with work? No, I, of course not. I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you don't do that with high level athletes. Mm -hmm. It's even if you have some good adaptations. Mm -hmm. But in the long term, it's it's putting too much stress on them. If someone is riding five, six, seven hours in on, on in, in three days, uh, you can calculate the kilojoules out of that. Mm -hmm. It's huge. You can't eat that. They will deplete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are, on the third day, they will they are already run out of energy. Yeah. Except they're eating 10 grams of carbohydrates mm -hmm. per body weight, per kilo body weight. Uh, maybe it's working, but no one is doing that. Yeah. When they are not racing, when they are in a training camp, yes. Uh, uh, when they are in a training camp, they don't do that. Yeah, in a race, they do that. Yeah, but even there, it's hard. So, um, if someone is doing a, a lot of volume, they, it's it's normal that they they can't eat that. Yeah, look at the mm -hmm. bodies. Yeah. They are like that, super yeah. skinny. Yeah. <laughs> Which does that? What does that mean? Of course, they don't have enough energy to gain anything. Not muscles, not fat, nothing. So, um. If someone is doing that for fit health reasons and losing some weight, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's, I think it's, it's playing with fire. It's very, very complicated. Yeah. You need a good coach that is very experienced with these kind of things. Yeah. And you go to by your own feeling. Uh, if you feel like, I mean, like if you're feeling not good and the, the big problem is I, is, uh, some, some people have just, yeah, they just said, I have this great new diet and I'm drinking lemon water and uh, some cold pressed juice out of some, I don't know what. <laughs> and I feel amazing and I'm getting all my energy out of dates and potatoes and rice is bad. And um, so I did this one ride and it was great. But after three weeks, I feel I really feel weak. But this is normal because my body is now detoxing. Mm -hmm. I have to go through that. And then I feel great. No, you will never feel great when you do high volumes of training. If you do 15, 20 hours of training and have maybe a very healthy nutrition, mm -hmm. but it's lacking in energy, you feel awful. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful with that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No, I, I hear you because it's a it's a trigger that a lot of people want to pull and they see it yes. out there in the professional cycling world, like a glimpse of it. And they ah, don't no really realize. No, but they, ah. they don't know. Like <laughs> there'll be a picture of someone, right? Yes. That's eating a lower carb meal or something like that. And they're like, oh, this guy's low carb, right? Yeah. Um, and 
realistically, when you're training 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week, you're already carbohydrate depleted. Um, yes. There's no possible way that you're not. Um, yes. But it, it's good to hear your take on this because like I've kind of found in the research, there may be some benefit for someone that's mm -hmm. training five to 10 yes. hours a week to- Absolutely. You know, and obviously that, that makes sense because they're not very yes. carbohydrate depleted. But the other thing that we did talk about with Skiba was, you know, Bishop, uh, David Bishop mm -hmm. and the research that they did with the, the two trainings a day where one was mm -hmm. depleted and then they kind mm -hmm. of, uh, they depleted their carbs and they trained again. He thinks honestly, it's due to the signaling being twice a yes. day of the endurance. Yes. Right. Yes. And he thinks yes. that's where they're seeing the gains. Um, yes. in the mitochondria, which is pushing the adaptations further. Yes. He really doesn't think it's due to, you know, the carbohydrate depletion. And yes. I would uh, have to agree probably from what I've seen with other research. Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, we have done the same with, uh, in training camps. Yeah. So we did um, longer rides and intensity rides on one day. And we had better adaptation than only doing long, one long ride and putting in the um, 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 intensity. Yeah, because of course we we know we could we cannot max out the intensity, but we can do that when we uh, uh, have two training sessions. Yeah, mm -hmm. and because we can eat enough and rest a little bit, maybe putting some amino acids in that, and and getting the head, especially your mind, ready to work again. Yeah, so um, so we we did that. Yeah, with some cross country mountain bikers, very successful, um, doing two times a day training. Yeah. Why not? Everything that stresses your body works. Yeah. 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 If you sit on the couch, it's a stress for your body. It works. You will lose VO2 max. Yeah. That simple it is. Yeah. It, it is interesting because it's funny how we kind of ended up here. Like a lot of things we just take for granted. Oh, once a day. Well, have we ever tested six times? A day? I'm obviously going off the rails here, but yeah. I'm saying we've never tested six times a day. I know people that actually have five training sessions a day for their athletes. They do micro workouts yeah. throughout the day. And I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone. I'm just saying people do it though. Right. And yes. they're getting results with it. So, you know, we, where did we come from that this one time a day was, you know, the, the area that is going to yield the greatest adaptation. Um, but I know even with some of the tendon training research, you know, that signal blunts out at six minutes and it takes mm -hmm. six hours to recuperate. So mm -hmm. for runners and things like that, you can gain, you know, potentially much more adaptation in the day than what they're getting. Whereas muscles and these things, you know, they spend much longer time. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, let's talk about, um, you know, your, your guys' testing protocol. Mm -hmm. And what are, because there, there's different pieces of the test. Mm -hmm. um, what are you trying to, what are all the things that you're trying to take in, in, into account whenever you have these several um, tests that you go out there and have people do, whether it's out in field testing or on the indoor trainer, what are mm -hmm. the metrics that you're trying to, to gain? Cause it's, it's more than just one, right? Um, it's not just FDP. No, 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 no. So um, um, yeah, you can do it. We have a run test and we have a, a riding test. Yeah, of course we are from, uh, we are from cycling. So, mm -hmm. Um, but we also developed that for for running <clears throat> and also actually for rowing yeah? because I love rowing and um, the area where I grew up, there are a lot of good rows and uh, the guy that I'm training is also now a rower that uh, becomes a cyclist. Mm -hmm. So it also works for rowing. So what do we get? So first of all, you do 
you need a power meter for the cycling. For the running, you don't need that. Yeah, we can take it out of the uh, GPS file, but which is this is quite complicated because we need some Kalman filtering and uh, um, to get a, a real um, how to say the real track yeah, because the GPS signal is very crappy. Uh, mm -hmm. So this makes it very hard. Uh, so you can't say, okay, I run. Uh, one kilometer this way and one kilometer that way. Uh, you really need to track and you really, really need to calculate the right length of the track. A GPS signal is not doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but what get we out of these tests? So we get the VO2 max, mm -hmm. which as I said, is like the, the your motor engine, the power, the horsepower. Mm -hmm. Then we get the VLA max, so more or less a glycolytic power or your efficiency, how much carbohydrates do you use? Yeah. And then we get the fat max, the maximum pyruvate deficit, yeah, uh, which is now very fancy to say that, but it's also the point where you use a lot of lactate uh, as a fuel. And then we have different kind of training zones. And uh, we also have the maximal lactate steady state. Uh, we have the critical power, which is not the same for me. And uh, then we have... Um, the uh, maximum amount of training you can do in different kinds of intensities per week okay. based on your VO2 max and VLA max profile. And we also have the, if you are a restricted athlete, if for, so to say, if you have like 12 hours, uh, 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 12 hours a week, just type it in and say, okay, I have 12 hours a week. So what is, how much do I get? Yeah. Uh, what, um, how much should I do in different kind of training zones? Yeah, and then you get also this this chart, and you also get if you have if you have your FTP um, for time trialing. Yeah, we have a lot of time trial courses um, on the platform, and uh, because it's it's it it was developed as a, an aerodynamic platform, which is which is yeah used as I said before uh, with a lot of world tour teams. So we have a lot of GPS files from different kind of routes. And uh, you can also upload your file there. And then you can say, okay, I have this kind of threshold. I want to write at this kind of power. And you know your depletion, your carbohydrate depletion, because we also calculate all these kind of things also. And then you can say, okay, I have this CDA value, which you also can test with us, yeah, for mm -hmm. actually for free, I think, yeah, uh, with a Garmin device, yeah. And then you can type in and say, okay, I, I will write 36 minutes and 55 seconds on that course with this kind of speed, yeah? uh, which is a nice way. And then you also see the different kind of, um, 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 what, what kind of influence would um, a higher or lower VLA max have or a higher or, or, or a higher um, VO2 max on your performance. Mm. Yeah, we also show that. And uh, yeah, everyone can look at that. Yeah, if you look at our website at descriptions or log in, yeah, uh, it's for free. Uh, um, um, logging in, and then you can see everything, and you get all the the yeah the insights. Yeah, for for us, it's very important that you get the right zones for training, mm. and that you uh, really have like kind of a guidance so what is too too much what is too little this is also for a lot of coaches uh, a lot of coaches are using that yeah mm -hmm. maybe you have a rider who can ride twenty thousand kilojoules a week mm -hmm. and you go like he's always going 25 and he's mm -hmm. doing that for three four weeks so we have like ten thousand too much and you have to say okay maybe you should rest a little yeah mm -hmm. and so this is I, I like that because sometimes this 
kind of simple um, calculations, taking or giving your gut feeling some kind of background. Yeah, sometimes you, I, I look over the training. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I would say my training is like fifty percent calculations, uh, a lot of math, um, math behind that, mm -hmm. and fifty percent gut feeling. Yeah, how's the athlete? I'm still dealing with the humans, not a robot. Huh? And listening to him, oh, maybe he has a bad day and his cat was run over by a car, whatever. Yeah? Um, mm -hmm. um, and then to, to look at the, the, the numbers and try to, his kind of feelings for how is the athletes and maybe I say, okay, maybe we should reduce a little bit here. Mm. Yeah, He needs some energy, extra energy to cope with the feelings he's having. So maybe he's getting, it sounds kind of strange, like giving him 2000 kilojoules, less training, maybe he recovers faster. That's how I'm doing it. It sounds kind of a robotic way, but it works very well. Huh? Yeah. So um, I'm always looking, looking for energy flux and energy flux in different intensities. Yeah, it's like kilojoule is not, it's not like kilojoule. It's like kilojoules in base training for two hours. It's not like kilojoules in base training for six hours or kilojoules at VO2max work. So you always have to take this in account. Yeah, If you're riding four hours, VO2 max work with 4020s in a week. You, of course, don't do much kilojoules, but you put a lot of stress yeah, on your stress. body. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, um, yeah, you have to take that in account. So, this is what you get from the test. Yeah. And uh, also, like a little description on um, what you can do with these numbers and how I actually, I or we, we would um, um, compose training. Yeah? Um, we always say, okay, we just, I think a good way to train is block training. Uh, mm. uh, the way that Vladimir Surin saw, I think he died. Yeah, I yeah. never met him, which is a shame because I'm at, at the Wingate Institute in Tel Aviv. I'm quite, no, not quite often, but um, sometimes I'm there giving some lectures. Mm. Um, so I like the approach of block training because it's very simple. And you don't have this shotgun effect of training. Oh, doing this FTP and then VO2 max and mixing everything up. And then you don't know in which system you're working. It is, it's, a, it's a mess, mm -hmm. yeah. especially for a coach. If someone is coming to me and says, okay, I did this kind of training and it's a, it's a, it's a FTP built training. And you look at this, ah, this it doesn't make any sense. It's like, ah, what do they want to stress? What is the purpose of that training? Oh, we want to raise the view of FTP yet, yeah, but how to max high or VLA max low so this is kind of a recommendation after the test you did you, they say, we say okay if you do like uh, sweet spot training do it like that and do like eight weeks of this kind of training or six weeks of training and maybe two weeks of this and yeah that's that's what you get um from the test yeah the thing that i find very interesting with you know the system is the system inherently continues to get better and better mm -hmm. inherently because of the qualities of you know improving the data count it will inevitably become more useful than physiological testing to some degree and mm -hmm. usefulness i think because like I, I i spent some time trying to understand automated um driving right like mm -hmm. uh, comma ai was a company that you know mm -hmm. you're kind of similar to, to tesla and some of these other companies where mm -hmm. they the the inherent models for how they try to make a vehicle drive autonomously is is different some some companies you know import these rules and say every time you come to this you can't do this 
Whereas other vehicles, you know, they're kind of self-learning in the way that they make a mistake and they kind of learn from that mistake. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's just kind of added into the um, system of, you know, yes. we taught ourselves. And this is kind of how I see this testing is like, you know, over time, these mart these 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 thresholds VLA max they're only going to get more and more precise to the point yes. where um you know physiological testing will essentially i think in some ways be kind of obsolete in some ways and i don't want to say that like oh there's no use for it there there will always be use for physiological yes. testing yes there yes always will but i'm talking about for you know all intents and purposes training an athlete you know, physiologic, physiological testing won't have as big of a role as it has previously had. I don't think when these mm -hmm. things start to, you know, become more widely used. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing I do like about you, your guys' system is it's not um, inside is taken kind of a different way to it where you have to, you know, hop on this some subscription thing. And there's like, the, there's a large um, investment in that, right? Like, it's just, mm -hmm you're taking on like oh it's either all or nothing whereas you you guys offer this kind of like hey try it out see how it works for you you're going to make yes. a mistake you have a month to kind of figure all this stuff out yes. um yes. and retest as many times as you want um yes. which i which i think is very you know it's i i, I i'm much more of a fan of that system um yeah but it's it, 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 you know uh, we we developed the system because, um, yeah, for me as a coach, I, I, I didn't want to put in all the numbers mm -hmm. by hand into the system. Mm -hmm. So I said, maybe we should develop something. You just throw in a file and everything is automatically calculated. Even if you missed it, even if you do a test a little bit too long, or a little bit too short, mm -hmm. because of the, the shape of the power curve, we can recalculate a little. Yeah, We say, okay, maybe 345 or four something. We calculate the best out of that. Yeah. So, and uh, then you have it, like it takes two seconds and you have all the values. And if something is not right or feels kind of weird, just write an email and I will answer or Sebastian or whoever, uh, there are not too many people. Yeah. And um, uh, we want to make it as affordable as possible because there are a lot of young riders and a lot of athletes that don't have that kind of money to invest in a, I don't know, 200 euro test. Yeah. They just, yeah, 25 euros, that's it. And they can mm -hmm. test for a month and they even can test all the aerodynamics. So you get the full package mm -hmm. and we make it to be, of course, want to make it bigger. Yeah. yeah. Well, why not developing something uh, like a training program out of that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's the idea. Uh, that's, this is what we are doing, Sebastian and me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. It will not, you know, it it will not. Um, how to say that? It's it's it's. I, I don't want to influence or making a hard time for coaches. Uh, the coach is very 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 important mm -hmm. because it's a human being and you can talk to him. Yeah? yeah, yeah. If if someone has having great numbers and not performing well in a race, the machine will not figure that out. Yeah, the machine can't talk to you. Maybe you had a very, very bad experience in a race, crashed or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have good numbers in training, but you can't perform. So maybe you should talk to a coach mm -hmm. and he will figure that out. Yeah. So, but to make it as affordable as possible for an athlete, because it's, it's, it's done. The seven, eight, nine years of work, 
me and Sebastian put into these calculations are done. Mm -hmm. So we don't, of course, we still, we still improve the system constantly a lot every day. Mm -hmm. But um, the more people are on it, the more we earn, yeah, so to mm -hmm. say. Yeah. So yeah, everyone is happy. Yeah. Let's, um, let's kind of talk about, uh, you know, I got some of these final questions, but I'm interested to hear, you know, kind of a longer take on, on some mm -hmm. of these things. Um, because coming you, you've come from the other side first, which, you know, was, you know, physiological testing with, mm -hmm. you know, carts and, and lactate. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but out there right now, whether it's, you know, a research uh, diagnostic tool or medical diagnostic tool, maybe like, cause I know ultrasound is mm -hmm. becoming more popular with, uh, Inigo mm -hmm. Samalan's, uh, company, yes. muscle sound. Yes. Um, yes. or, you know, some of these, uh, magnetic resonance spectroscopy, um, proton, um, uh, so they're measuring carnosine in the muscle mm -hmm. to kind of understand fiber typology. What are mm -hmm. some of these things out there that you find very interesting? Um, uh, and very, <laughs> I know they're not applicable that well right now, right? Because a lot of these yes. things are invasive, non-invasive, but they're, they're time consuming and out of the way. What are some of these things that you're interested to see? you know, develop more, um, mm -hmm. and that yes. sort of thing. So, um, most of the times I have all these very nice tools at my place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even in my very small, nice home office with my bed in the background place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have all these sensors, most of the, the nice sensors here, yeah? mm -hmm. well, the ultrasound now, yeah? and, uh, uh, was too expensive um <clears throat> but uh, to be honest um we we produce a lot of data mm -hmm. but we don't have a clue what we are doing i think mm -hmm. this is what i what i see is cadence heart rate and power we still only know a glimpse of the things that are happening in our body if you look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. And this I wish, or this is what we are working on to making more sense of the data we already produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe some the ultrasound looking at the glycogen stores and all these kind of things can add up and making sense. Yeah. Oh, okay, why do we have like this cardiac or this heart rate is going down? Yeah. The power output is uh, maybe like a little bit low threshold at sweet spot. Uh, heart rate is going down, not up. So maybe his car, uh, his 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 glycogen is depleted. Yeah. So maybe we can just verify that with the ultrasound. Mm. Um. But making more, yeah, getting more out of the data. We produce a lot of data, but yeah. we don't know anything. Yeah. I would just want to melt yeah. it down. Yeah. This is happening. And no one is telling you that. If I look at the Garmin um, running thing, uh, you get a lot of data. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> Even you know, I, I'm I'm doing that every day, yeah. and yeah. I'm just like, I think I'm just I, I went down from Mount Stupid. Okay, I can say that, <laughs> but I'm I feel like a lot of the, the times I'm I feel like okay, I'm really very, I'm in the belly now. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time for me now. I think I will never reach that to get a little bit of enlightenment. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think we should focus more on the data that we have and with mm-hmm. all the data we get, yeah? yeah, Strava and all these kind of other things. And the other thing is we produce all, a lot of shitty data. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Heart rate, first thing. Uh, the, the, the quality of heart rate measurement, I think, it's more or less anecdotally, is getting worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 15 years ago, everyone had like a polar. Yeah. 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 That was great. Yeah. I don't get paid for polar, but no one, huh? just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no, saying that. So we got polar and the, the quality was always good. Mm-hmm. And if there was some kind of influence, you just saw that, okay, maybe there was some kind of electric wiring running through the field. And then this is why this is why this, this happened. So that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Today, phew, yeah. <laughs> something on your wrist that you can't no it, yeah. it everything is making it it, it for me when yeah. we're analyzing data it's yeah. like oh shit yeah. you can throw everything away the same yeah. with power meters yeah yeah, yeah. so if we are i collect power data since 2000 oh was the first power tech so it was like beginning of 2000s yeah with cabling and all these kind of things is the measurement getting better yeah some yes but a lot of them are are not good yeah. And this is mixing up a lot. So yeah, there are some companies, I think they are building reliable power meters. Mm-hmm. But I have some companies where I say, okay, of course, it's like always 20 watts more. And mm-hmm. uh, this one uh, really makes a problem when we have high torque and low cadence at like 60, then you know, okay, it's, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And this is making funny things when you have an oval chain ring on that. And this is, uh, these power meters are, ah, this is very nasty because it's like, Sometimes it shows like 20 watts more, and usually it's not doing that. So it's I wish that we have high quality data. Mm-hmm. Everyone should wear a, 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 a wrist heart here, a heart rate belt. Mm-hmm. Because we get better data out of that. Yeah. Even though if we have like um sometimes we have good measurements, yeah. I think I I got an Apple Watch, yeah. For, for Christmas last, no, two years ago. And I'm, I thought, oh, May, this, it, it's, it's the best measurement I ever had. <laughs> I was like, why is Apple doing that good? Yeah. And I have other companies that are like, oh, no, this is not, I have like 120 pulls and pushing 450 watts. Oh, no, this is not, that, that would be great, but it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not measuring right. So higher quality in measuring. This, we really have to work on that. Please, industry, if you listen to me, mm-hmm. I can help. And uh, making more out of the data we already have. We More sensors are nice, but first we need to learn more out of the data we already have and then integrate all the other sensors. Yeah, core body sensor, great thing. Yeah, yeah nice yeah, people, yeah. I have it. It, it shows, it, I re, it really helped me a lot with especially one rider, yeah. Mm-hmm. which uh, she, she always had a reaction when she was taking um, beta-alanine, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, her body core temperature went up, mm-hmm. uh, which even if it, it was cold, it just blockade her. Uh, mm-hmm. So this really helped us. Uh, and um, But uh, first of all, the, the usual data we get, we should work a little bit more into de- in, in detail with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those, <laughs> those were super good points because it, nothing more drives me up the wall. We're actually doing a podcast. Uh, Phil and I are doing a podcast on HRV after this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it's becoming more popular. But mm-hmm. for people out there, there is only one heart rate. Well, there's two that I know of. Um, v um, for VI, like a it's 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 um, Viva or something like that. It's Canada and Polar H10. Those are the only two heart rate monitors. Yes, H9 is good too, but those are the yes. only two heart rate monitors that have the capacity and sampling rate to make yes. any meaningful uh, decisions off of anything. Yeah, like if, the- if you're going to make decisions off something, and yes. it's six or seven percent off, yes, that's. So you missed the whole point, right? The whole point yes. is gone. You can't. Yes. Uh, yeah, I love it. You know, the H10, even if your device is not working, you still got the data. Right? Yeah. Download that. Perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like, it's it's not even, of course, it's expensive in the world of heart rate belts, uh, monitor, uh, things, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's like 80 euros, but it's a yeah. lifetime invest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, this thing is great. Yeah, uh, you get a new strap that. after a few years. Like it's yes, it's, it's amazing, and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there just looking. Oh, this guy reviewed this heart rate monitor. I've seen this person with a Garmin one on, or whatever it is. And it's like, regardless of who's wearing what, actually understand the technology. Understand, you know, what is it that the technology is doing? Because a lot of these heart rate monitors are, you know, the sampling rates are so low. They're just doing these massive calculations to try to estimate where your heart yes. rate is and they're they're taking you know your heart rate actually very little and it's a lot of just guessing and calculating um so i can't stress enough you know what what bjorn just said here is like ah oh, it's there's nothing worse than someone showing up with with a you know optical uh you know wrist heart rate that's you know 50 60 beats off and it's like what what do you do with this you can't do anything yeah, and this. this makes even uh, the athlete you can really they get nervous. Yeah. Oh, my power is not right. Yeah. And my heart rate is too high. Mm. So I stopped cycling. Now I stopped putting more power on, which is, of course, a natural thing you would do. Yeah? Low power, high heart rate. Well, maybe you should take... And then you look at the data and you saw, you saw one line, like 180 heart rate. And you're like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, except you have like extra resistible heart rate problems. Yeah, Hmm. and it's yeah. But the other, (laughs) I've talked a lot about these guys. Preaching to my athletes, please use a real heart rate thing and Hmm. not a wrist. Yeah. Yeah. The um the other thing you said there too was was super useful, and I think you know we get overwhelmed with all these. I can't even go on Twitter, to be honest with you. Like that's the one, that's the one reason I can't go on Twitter. It's not that it's uh, you know, the, the back and forth. It's the fact that I've got so many things to focus on already. I don't need to add to that pile. I still don't even understand, yes. you know, yes. what's going on with these basic things. And I'm very com- confident in saying that I don't know um, because there's literally so much depth these things and you people just want to add the next thing more and more and more and i think it's good to kind of see what's out there um but i think sometimes just digging deeper on what you already have good good uh data collection on right 
Mm-hmm. What, what can you do with what you already have? There's, mm-hmm. there's always lots you can do generally with what you currently mm-hmm. are working with. Um, and that, that's a very good point because I think, you know, we're really just scratching the surface with power duration and, you know, yeah. these small metrics of, of power, heart rate, cadence, like you said, I think we're yes. very, very, um, surface level with a lot of that. We, we do yeah. understand a little bit, but let's, let's talk about, um, you know, uh, this is one thing I'm interested to hear you on. What is a something that you've had in your evolution as a coach that you've mm-hmm. had a pre preconceived notion or a hypothesis of, of some type of concept mm-hmm. and you re you realize it was, it was rather incorrect. And what was the bias that led you to think that what, why did you mm-hmm. get caught down that rabbit hole and how did you realize you were in it? What was the epiphany that you had and realized, Oh, wow. I kind of went down mm-hmm. uh, a wrong path here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually I'm constantly doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing more mistakes than good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I try to learn out of that with everything. Um, the the things I'm writing down now for training is is not the things I'm writing I wrote down um, two years ago and um, as everyone you read a nice study and you think oh maybe this is cool maybe you should try that and then I usually try it out by myself and then oh maybe this is something Mm. Um, of course I, I, I constantly I'm constantly doing a lot of things so for example I've I designed one workout for an athlete, which for a cross cross country athlete, mm. uh, grade one, fourth at the European Championships, um, and uh, it worked very well. Mm. I thought, oh man, this is cool! Like stimulating the VO2 max and buffering system and everything. So I thought, okay, maybe that's a thing. Uh, maybe I should do that with another rider with the same profile, but he's not into cross country second he's a marathon mountain marathon mountain biking and i was saying okay maybe he's a little bit lacking of this like high speed and getting the vo to make stimulated so i did that which worked very well but i also trained a lot of his uh, buffering system so what happened so he was of course very good in the beginning mm-hmm. but then when they hammering down a constant pace up a mountain kind of buffering system collapsed and he was really like slowing down massively so and then i realized okay yeah we don't have this long downhill sections for recovery uh, getting the the ph a little bit higher again Mm. and then was like ah shit i really should have realized that that's for example one thing uh, Mm. that i have in mind now which a mistake i did yeah only a few months ago uh, but i learn out of that and this is more important. It's, it was very easy to reverse. Yeah, no problem. Now he's like flying again. Now yeah? the marathon rider. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, yeah, this was one thing. Yeah? And in uh, training. Yeah? And uh, then of course in life, you or as a coach, you constantly doing mistakes. Yeah, as I said before, with companies. Yeah. Uh, so you first you start a company. You say you have like good intentions. You really want to do the cool stuff and. Um, uh, you don't think about like business finance and all these kind of things. And yeah, we actually started in the garage yeah, and was running well and then um, huge success in some things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it was like a leaking boat at the end. And 
it was uh, there was no structure at all and then we have the other opposite as i told you and uh with this very well structured company which was like missing the heart uh, and uh, as a coach personally you i learned that i i once i the mistake i did was like um i the the the, the relationship between athlete and coach maybe for me personally was sometimes a little bit too close yeah i i was like was like sometimes a more or less a friendship yeah mm. uh, especially in the beginning especially when you work with athletes for a long long time Mm-hmm. And um, this is—I uh, I, realize this is not professional, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so to say. Maybe sometimes I'm um, maybe a little bit too cold you know, mm-hmm. to athletes, but I really try to. I'm very happy if someone wins, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but I really try not to get my emotions too deep into that. Yeah. So I have one thing in mind with an, an athlete that is really is still working on that. Yeah? So I have this one athlete, it's a female athlete, um, um, European champion, second in the world champs, going to, to the Olympics last year and um, would have won the gold with the team. Yeah? The team won it, yeah? she was not there. And two weeks before the Olympics, she got cancer. <laughs> was like 24 years old that's it over mm-hmm. and this really was like this was really um yeah to this first of all this was a very hard time for me to to realize that how fast everything can change mm-hmm. and to see this this young athlete robbed everything was robbed from her yeah mm. the future was like over in the blink of an eye so she's healthy again everything is fine but she stopped cycling she's not she 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 got married she's jesus now i don't want that she, she literally there's nothing left mm. and this really is um i still try to not getting too emotional with racing uh, and with athletes. So, but it, this I, I still learn that. Uh, also, when during very important races, I switch off my phone. I don't watch the race. Mm. It's, it's too hard for me. It's like, oh shit, oh, we missed that, and and then I switch the phone on again. And if I get a lot of messages in, I know this was a good race. Mm. And if I get like one or two or maybe four or five like ah oh, Bjorn sorry and oh, this was not good then I know okay shit but it's not like killing me too much huh? so this is something I still have to learn yeah as a coach you really um it's a very it can be a very stressful job mm-hmm. because you're working on two sides you you try to make a human a machine that can produce a lot of power but you still dealing with a human being that have like emotions. And if you want to work with emotions, you also have to put in emotions. And sometimes you're putting in a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, sometimes it's like an actor. Yeah? And uh, being an actor can be a very, very dangerous job because yeah? you, you're running through all these emotions. Yeah, sometimes I wish like I can close my computer and say, oh, that's it for the day. 
No, I'm just laying in bed thinking about, oh, I wouldn't be great then when this rider finished now on place one or second, or maybe I, I'm running through the, the whole race, like, oh, when then we get the climb and he's putting out this kind of power and on the downhill, he has to be careful there. And maybe how oh, we should have, ah, oh, shit, we should have put on these tires because it's maybe, yeah, this is going through my mind. <laughs> I'm trying to, okay, yeah, relax, all good. The world is still there. I'm just, and this is what I'm always saying. No one died. I always say no one died. Everything is fine. It's only sports. This sometimes helps. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I've always been that person to to get sucked down the rabbit hole and and lose awareness of what it is that we're actually doing. Sometimes, right? It, I used to always have to remind myself, like, hey, you know, we're talking about having fun. You know what I mean? This is this is a luxury. You know, when you especially when you go travel and see different parts of the world, you're like, oh wow, this is really, you know, puts perspective. Um, but yeah, it is it is hard as a coach to separate um yourself and detach yourself from you know the the process that you've and in, you invest so much in and you care so yes. much about. And it's 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 even harder sometimes when athletes um don't see that, right? And they can kind mm -hmm. of, you know, throw wrenches in because you know, you know, I think if they were to truly see how much was invested in the process. You know, they probably wouldn't do some of the things that they do sometimes um, not to throw athletes because coaches have their own things. But, yeah, it is. It can be uh, heartbreaking sometimes the effort and the, you know, investment and sacrifices you make sometimes. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's it's hard because it doesn't always come out the way that. Um, yeah, but but I think this is learning. a good coach. A good coach knows how to lead and knows how to to work with emotions. And he has to be emotional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we always see that in, in football or soccer. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so they change a lot. A lot of, I'm not really into that. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if Bayern München is very close to me, yeah. Like <laughs> two kilometers away from me is the yeah. stadium. Yeah. So, but they change the coaches constantly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the teams flip. It's like from losing to winning, constantly winning, from constantly losing. Why is that? It's not like they are not, their abilities are not better. They still can hammering hammer on the ball and they still can do the tricks. They have the same nutrition, everything. Mm -hmm. But in a week, they change. Why that? Oh, there's a new coach mm. giving some pep talks, yeah. maybe doing some a little arrangement, giving this one particular player the chance. And he's like, oh, yes, now I want to show. And in endurance sport, we sometimes forget about that. Yeah, but it's still we are still dealing with these. Yeah, I, I, I have this discussion a lot yeah, with some coaches, mm -hmm. and so we have numbers, and we have humans, mm -hmm. and uh, I always say, okay, look at football. We have this. It's it's it it has a huge influence on mm -hmm. performance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, that was a good. That was a very good answer. Um, so. Another question, what is, what is the, um, if you, if you only could have one diagnostic tool, I know where your answer is going to be on this, but. Oh, really? I think so. I even have to think now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If you, if, if you could, so I'm saying now you can't have your sweet, actually, I don't know your answer on this. 
you can't have your suite of of AeroTune testing, which is like yes. you know how you do several tests in, in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you can only have one test. Um, and yes. you could complement that with a diagnostic tool, whether it's lactate, whether it's whatever metabolic yes. care. If you could only have one test, so critical power or yes. um, a, a step test, ramp test, mm -hmm. what would that test be? And what would the diagnostic tool be? So you can use it for five years. Maybe it's just to understand the test better. Maybe you want to understand more of how the, the metrics that you're getting back are, are influenced, right? Or maybe it's mm -hmm. just because, oh, I know this test is going to give me the most data that I, that I need. What would that mm -hmm. test be? And what would the diagnostic tool be? Mm -hmm. You don't have to pick a diagnostic tool, but um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a hard one. Um, I think there is something into an all-out four-minute test, not paced, all-out, mm -hmm. until total exhaustion. And then doing, I would do a lactate test mm -hmm. um, every, every minute after the test for 10 to 15 minutes. That's it, with a power meter, of course. Mm. Um, that's it, if I only had one test. Oh. That's interesting. I, don't, um, I didn't know your answer. I was way off on that one. That's interesting. What have, what, what, what have you thought? For, the other hand is, if someone says to me, what kind of training tool would you use? Mm -hmm. I would always go for heart rate. Okay, why? Why, why would you choose heart rate? It's a stress. We see stress. Mm -hmm. You see the stress on your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very simple. You have like, you have your resting heart rate, you have your maximum heart rate, mm -hmm. and then you have your, your internal stress is visualized. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If it's hot, your heart rate is high. That's stress. Simple yes. as that. Yes. If you're not eating, your heart rate is doing some things. You, of course you, you need a little knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I would go for heart rate. I really like your answer on that because we, I, we've been talking now, this has been a kind of thing we're talking about sensitivity of mm -hmm. measures. And mm -hmm. one thing that people like people start off thinking heart rate is heart rate. Like it, Oh, if, if I'm, you know, 115 on this test, that means um, I'm fitter because I was 125 last time. Right. They started mm -hmm. off kind of there and then they realize, mm -hmm. Oh, there's different things that influence it. Rather there's higher parent parasympathetic tone, higher vagal tone, um, mm -hmm. from whatever the reason in it, or there's some mm -hmm. more, uh, immediate stress. And then they start to realize, mm -hmm. okay. And they're like, Oh, I don't like it. Cause there's too many things that influence it. I hate heart rate. It's never yeah, going to be a great. metric, but yeah. And now then <laughs> when they great. come for, a cir for full circle, they realize, yes. Oh wow. That sensitivity is actually good. It's just understanding yes. what the sensitivity is influenced by. Um, yes. yeah, yeah, that's great. When I, I did, I'm with you when that. I, when I did tests, yeah, when I was an athlete and we did, uh, three tests a year my heart rate was always going through a roof and they were like ah you're you're not well trained mm -hmm. i'm gonna say no no i'm nervous i was always like super nervous mm -hmm. so and then they saw the saw the lactate version they oh well, it's okay yeah mm -hmm. so heart rate is great yeah huh? yeah no it is it is yeah. people and um yeah i hope I, i'm gonna continue to try and push push that out because i hear so many people talk about diagnostic tools you know either being too stable or not sensitive enough you kind of have to understand that that's just the tool and certain tools yes. are good for certain things but yeah i really yes. really like that answer yeah. um what uh okay so we'll talk about 
this last thing because it, it will kind of encapsulate your process. Um, mm -hmm. But just, you don't have to go too deep in the weeds. But yeah, yeah, when someone shows up at your door and says, Bjorn, I want to work with you. I want yes. you to make me a champion. Um, yes, I say, I don't have time for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Usually, I, I, if I have, time, I have time. What's the process for you? How do you go about it? You, you know, what, what is the process of, of breaking down that black box with the athlete? Mm -hmm. um kind of i know you do testing but how does that mm -hmm. work does it just mm -hmm. is it a full metabolic panel when someone shows up mm -hmm. and then a full you know air tune suite where you're giving them every mm -hmm. test on the or and then you're doing you know this and that and peaking mm -hmm. but how does that look mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. uh, first i talk with the athlete for an hour usually and see if we like each other mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing and then i look at the data yeah uh, and then i i ask Okay, what kind of power meter are you using? Mm -hmm. And then I, I start cleaning the data, uh, all the things that are not looking good. Mm -hmm. And then I started simulating the things I'm seeing uh, out of the data I have. I said, okay, he had here some good numbers at this range and some good numbers in that range. How close are they together? Uh, uh, mm. time related like is it like a week that would be good if it's like too much then it's not good and then i say okay so his ability is there mm. Mm. and then uh, yeah we, we we it's 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 i always talk so this is the, the one thing yeah so seeing what kind of athletes do i have in front of me so metabolic on the metabolic side mm. then i look what how much hours of training, yeah? Is it already maxed out? If someone is coming with like 25 hours a week, I know, okay, phew, uh, this can be a tough one. And yeah, maybe mm -hmm. should go a little bit low. If someone is like 35 years old, doing like 35, 40,000 kilometers a year, mm -hmm. and I calculated the VLMX, something like 0 0.3, mm -hmm. and also did the, the, the VO2max, I, I'm just like, ah, this system is maxed out. It's not got a. It's not going better. Yeah? And it's even worse if this guy was a world champion. You, you have to be realistic. You will not be a world champion again. Your system is maxed out. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But this is hardly happening yeah, sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so I'm, I'm talking about the numbers. And usually I say, okay, if you're in a race, usually this and that is happening. And they usually, oh yes, Bjorn, you're right. Yes, it's not it's not magic. It's it's actually easy if you understand. Yeah, and um, then uh, yeah, this is, is this. Uh, then we start with training. Yeah, I usually do like three easy weeks to see how the system is and uh, how how he's how his riding style is. Is he like constant riding? Uh, so is, is he really riding the power or is he like flipping up and down, going the mountains here, doing here a trail or whatever, if he's a mountain biker. Mm -hmm. uh, is he really riding the power I'm riding down in a VO2 max work or is he like sprinting into everything and so, and looking at the cadence and all these kind of things. After that, I start, um, um, I start with testing. Mm -hmm. yeah? I do a test and then I get the real data and then we talk about the data. And then from that on, this is actually the real starting point. I say, okay, now we have something. Mm -hmm. And I would like to work on this and that. 
for the for the midterm and then for the long term. And then you are in contact. It's always like lose lose. I love that, yeah, uh, because uh, this is uh, life is changing constantly. If if someone is not liking me, he should stop, please or she. Yeah. If I don't like someone, I stop. Yeah. But to be honest, this is this never this has never happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Usually, the, the the people I'm working with they really want to work with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but I always like I always say, okay, I'm not a magician. Everything takes time. Mm -hmm. My training is very boring. I explain everything if you ask. Mm -hmm. I don't do fancy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, my training is like a it's like a rocket. Yeah, it's it's like we have like different kind of stages. We start with the easy stuff, and then I'm always putting something on the cake. Yeah, mm -hmm. then we work on the nutrition, and then we're doing this, and then we're doing that, and then we're doing maybe blood flow restriction. Yeah. Mm -hmm which I did with some riders, but they are already world champion. So we need mm -hmm. to max out the system. I'm not doing that with someone who's like, not that inch fit. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm working on the easy stuff. Oh, this is how I work. Yeah. Simple. Funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm a... Try to be honest most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really like that. That uh, That's yeah, it's just, it's cool to see how much you're taking to, I mean, you know, all coaches should be doing this, should be looking at their previous training, should be looking at previous. Yeah, this is super uh, important. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. This is, it's like a history book. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You look into that and it's like, oh, yeah. interesting. He, once he was that and he is, his weight yeah. was that and his, his power numbers are that. Yeah. And he's always riding in a low cadence. And suddenly his, 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 his uh, left right balance changed. What happened here? Did you had a crash? Yeah. Or did you have this? Did you have an operation here? Did you yeah. change the saddle? Yeah, all these kind of things. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're right. I, it's crazy. I have a checklist. I'm always looking like it. And after half an hour, you have a whole picture of the rider. Uh. Yeah, <clears> it's <throat> crazy. Some people just, um, you know, I've seen coaches couldn't care less about previous training. They come, an athlete comes to them. They don't really ask much of all of you know prior training. They don't look into training logs. And they just, you know, completely torque the athlete into their version of what coaching is, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, actually, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I really don't know how other coaches work, but I'm not mm -hmm. really interested in that. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I see the, the old work they put on training peaks. Mm -hmm. I try to make sense out of that, of course, mm -hmm. but I don't judge it. I just said, oh, this is his style. Yeah. It's okay for me. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> this is my style. I do that. I'm I'm successful with that. I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the 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 less I care about the world outside, the better I work. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I agree with you on that. It's just I I'm having a hard time trying to yeah mute the noise. Well, yes. Uh, I really <clears throat> we've gone almost two hours here now. We had some technical difficulties, but uh, we, yeah, we made it through. But this is this has been great. Um, I actually learned a lot because I came in with certain certain uh, preconceived notions about certain things about training the VLA yes. max, VO2 max, where you put them in. You know, I just had a concept of oh, this is where you know, of course, you would approach this. But when you said it and your your rationale behind it is like oh yeah, that really doesn't make any sense why you would why I would do it that way or why it would be approached that way. Um, so I, I did take a lot out of this. Um, 
folk, where can folks find you at? And I'll and everything will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, but it, 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 um, um, of course, Erotune. Yeah, the website. Mm-hmm. They, if if they write an email, <clears throat> usually it's three of us. We get it, and then we answer it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm on Instagram. It's a private account, so but don't hesitate. Just like and, and everyone can write me. And sometimes it takes time to answer, but not like ages. Yeah, and uh, so I don't have a website or anything. I don't like that. I don't have a Twitter account. Yeah, um, I don't post much. Only if 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 writer is good, I'm happy with for him. I just post that. You don't will see any um, holiday pictures of me. Only that my wife put on and just linked me. In. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So Instagram or uh, Aerotune. Yeah. 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 And I really encourage people to check out Aerotune because they're offering something really inherently useful. And I think if if more coaches took this approach of you know measuring the metrics in these ways, because a lot of coaches just aren't even measuring at all. They have maybe mm-hmm. an FTP test, yeah, um, which gives you one number. Um, yes. You know, and the duration. Yes, obviously. Yes. It's, um yeah i just think this is uh yeah yeah you're, you're gonna have more accountability on you but yeah it, sh- it should be that way so thanks thanks a lot uh yeah. folks for listening and thanks a lot bjorn for for coming on and yeah uh, really guys... happy to be on your show thank you thank you <laughs> hope you enjoy folks